0: This is a GRDC podcast. What makes top performing grain growing businesses so successful? Well, according to a GRDC research investment, the top 20% of grain businesses are retaining 30% of turnover as net profit, while the average business is retaining closer to 10%. So, what are these top businesses doing differently to achieve this? Well, recently I sticky-beaked a GRDC-funded workshop on improving farm financial performance that used the data from real farmers to find out why they were achieving better margins. The workshop participants were made up of farmers, advisors and even some bankers, and it was clear to me as an observer that they were getting a lot out of it. So, with microphone in hand, I cornered one of the conveners, James Hillcote, from South Australian Farm Consultancy, Rural Directions, to find out just how significant is the
1: difference in financial performance between the top 20% and the rest. There's a large gap in the financial performance of most farms compared to the top 20. So what we see is top 20% farms generating one and a half to three times greater than the average in terms of returns, but are also holding on to 25 to 30% of total income as net profit before tax. And that compares to around about 10% on average. The empowering thing with all that is that it is a consistent message all the way from Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria, Tasmania. It's being replicated through New South Wales and Queensland. As well on a long-run data average okay so let's just go back over that that's a
0: significant difference between the top 20 and the rest what is
1: causing that difference So really the driver, what we tend to see is when we mention profit drivers, people say sort of yield and price come to mind quite quickly. But it's not necessarily what's driving the difference in this farm performance. So 20% extra by the top 20% in terms of profit retention. So a lot of that is driven by maximising income through good water use efficiency and agronomy and timeliness. The systems approach is very, very good. It's also driven around low-cost business model, which is their investments in machinery and labour, debt level, Levels, lease levels are all sort of contained for the right size of their business creating this true economy of scale rather than bigger being better. And that's sort of reinforced by really good people in, at sort of management. So there's a business manager behind that result, and they're very good at managing risk in businesses as well. So there's four key primary profit drives that's, that's contributing to that big difference in profitability. Okay, well, I'm going to take you back
0: over them. Now, first off, you said maximising profit, but you talk about optimising
1: gross margins. What do you mean by optimising gross margins? so generating as much income as possible and doing it cost effectively I see a lot of businesses that over invest in variable costs to try and maximise income but actually undermine their gross margin line which is we've got a lot of other costs that have got to come out of that line to sustain a business and and, uh, maximise that profit. So businesses that tend to embark on growing a crop to reality rather than potential that they can see tends to have a better benefit rather than maximising the season may not be carrying that total potential. They're looking to achieve something that's maybe not achievable in that year. That's correct. I had a client, considering the benchmark is sort of 40% of total income as variable costs, investing, sort of 60%. So there's 20% there that could essentially be harnessed to net profit. In that case, they were feeding the crop towards five tonne plus in that particular instance, and their long-run average was three and a half. So it's really about sort of using a few decision tools to make those top dressing decisions later in the season and also matching it to what the season's trying to tell it. Is there water in the tank at the end, or are we going to be running a little bit short and leaving ourselves open to production shocks that aren't necessarily going to leverage the investment in things like fertiliser and chemical? Years ago, there was a cry, get big or get out. So scale became
0: a very important factor in agriculture. Farmers buying neighbours and so on. How big a part does scale play in
1: a very efficient farm unit? In terms of scale, this project's been able to debunk a couple of myths. One of them is that scale means get bigger or get out. Now, I've got a lot of businesses in that top 20%. They're actually not the biggest, but they are suited towards their own sort of system and capability. So there was a real weak relationship between scale and financial performance. So a small business that's low profit that then grows is arguably a bigger low profit business, whereas we start to see profitability being a speed bump to growth. So if that business, a small business, is set up well enough and, and without stretching its own internal resources and capability in terms of machinery and labour as well as diversity, then it should be able to grow sustainably and so scale is not the be-all and end-all towards farm profitability. In certain circumstances it can certainly assist.
0: Now I can imagine there'd be farmers out there who'd be looking across the fence and saying, geez Joe was lucky this year, he, he got that shower of rain or, or he took a risk and it really paid off
1: for him. Is taking risks a part of this sort of efficient farm that you're talking about? Yeah, risk is an interesting one because I've come across it quite a lot in a you know, role in sort of grain marketing as well. The top 20% by having a lower cost structure and gross margin optimised to offset their cost structures means they've actually got a lower cost of production. So they need, instead of a decile 5 price to break even, they're really looking at a decile 2 or lower. And they've also, by maximising that profit segment, they're able to see a production shock or something like that Essentially, wipe off 25% to one third of their total income and still break even versus an average farm that can sort of, it's got 10% up its sleeve before we start to run into negative territory. So really, the risk side of things, particularly around season, the top 20% manager is quite calculated in terms of being pragmatic around what the season's saying and what they're doing to sort of alter it and what is outside of their control. So if it's rainfall-related, they can't necessarily control the rainfall side of things, but can they minimise the impact with things that can influence inputs as well as the overall business management? Now, you talked about costs before, uh, fixed costs and variable costs. Do you find that the less Profitable farmers, uh, well, they've they got their cost structure out of kilt with their income? Absolutely. So machinery is certainly a big one, and the labour utilisation levels in businesses will vary quite a bit. So often being seen as, you know, we need bigger machinery to achieve timeliness, which is obviously machinery is extremely expensive these days and it doesn't seem to be getting any cheaper. These businesses are really good at working out what machinery capabilities they need and then working out some systems thinking to be able to sort of achieve timeliness, which is crucial in the gross margin line, without overexerting in terms of their machinery overhead. So they're good at balancing their requirements of machinery and labour towards the operational side of the business. What
0: was quite startling to me, and is probably quite obvious, is that price, commodity price, really there was no difference between the the top 20 and the
1: 80%. That's correct. So really there was only around about $5 a ton difference in price achieved between the top 20% and the average. Certainly for me in a grain marketing background, you'd sort of look at that and go, "Well, well, that's not very good, is it? But what you come down to after the panic of should we go public with that is really a case of... The market will do weird and wonderful things and you can influence parts of it, but particularly when it's dry, there's little stored moisture, uh, the appetite to risk actually isn't there even if the price might be a decile nine or higher. So on paper, it's a very good price, but we're all exposed to the same market and not necessarily driving that difference in top 20% performance.
0: Okay, so let's wind this up with a summary of the key points that you have made at this workshop. One of the things that you were saying quite strongly is everyone needs to sort of take a bit of a helicopter view of their enterprise and look at everything
1: and if possible benchmark. There's an enormous amount of data in farm businesses that flows through the books for tax purposes there's a lot that can be drawn out of that to start aligning the operational element of the business towards where are the gaps and how can we potentially increase profitability, or even ask us some strategic questions if we are at the top end of, of that 30%, a 30% profit. So... I think being able to ask questions and having data behind you and, and not using one year of data but having a bit of a trend so we can we can highlight what was an occurrence or what was a trend and if so, if it's a trend, how do we manage that trend? And particularly things like frost. Is it a once-off or is it been happening for the last five years? In which case, it spits out a bit of a risk management strategy or at least asking the questions. So benchmarking can often concern a few people so we tend to refer to them as farm business performance reports now because it does put a few people off really it's about sort of being pragmatic around your own business and saying what data can we pull out and then what can we feed back in to say well what what are the gaps and obviously you don't know what you don't measure
0: so it's not necessarily benchmarking against another
1: farm it's about benchmarking yourself Exactly right. So the power of this data is knowing where the limits are and and what the top 20% profile looks like and being able to realign some of these businesses by highlighting gaps and then putting in an action plan. So it is a more one-on-one sort of approach and so we try and encourage more businesses to sort of use the data that's already flowing through them but bringing them out for their own performance purposes. James Hillcote from Rural Directions.